All right, welcome to the President's Day edition of Pastor with No Answers. And, you know, some of our listeners, you're always looking for the next theological, spiritual debate or discussion. And so maybe you're just like, oh, man, presidents, really? Well, first of all, I can do whatever I want to on me and my brother's podcast. We make the calls. And secondly, presidents is just so interesting. Like, I love studying presidents i'm i'm not that smart with them but i've read some books and it's just so interesting but for those of you that you're just never happy without the theology and bible and spirituality let me help you out so let's think of washington as god the father uh lincoln as jesus andrew jackson as the christian crusades uh, and then I tell you what, for a lot of evangelicals on Facebook, it seems like maybe Obama's the Antichrist and Trump is the second coming of Christ. <laughs> so, That's pretty sobering, man. Yeah. <laughs> All of that was pretty sobering. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, for real. All right. Well, um, basically, Jack, first thing I want to ask you is you had a really tough time in, in uh, seeing this as the five greatest presidents. And I thought, I thought your, um, your thought process was super interesting. So kind of walk us through why it was hard to think of it as the five greatest. Well, cause I, I think, you know, f- for one thing, there, there are two very different things that we think about when we think about what constitutes presidential greatness. One of them is, you know, what kind of results did the president achieve? What, what was the president's term like or terms? Some of that's just luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I think you could look at Bill Clinton and say he had a very successful two terms. Right. He, you know, the economy grew. He uh, he did a lot of small ball things that were, <coughs> excuse me, effective. But he was, you know, I think you'd have to say in terms of timing, he was very fortunate. He came into office just as a recession was ending, and he kind of got credit for the expansion that took place afterwards. And he left just as a recession was starting and his predecessor kind of got blamed for it, yeah. you know, or his successor kind of yeah. got blamed for it. I mean, no, I, I'm not trying to diminish Bill Clinton. I think, you know, I think I, I respect him as a president. I think he was a I think he was actually a pretty good president. He he took what he he played the hand he was dealt. Yeah. And played it well. Yeah. But he wasn't playing a really challenging hand. Yeah. And, you know, there are other presidents like that, like a Calvin Coolidge is another guy I would look at and say. You know, he was fortunate to live during a pretty benign period. And the good news is he wasn't going crazy trying to stir things up. I mean, right. he was just, he kind of just sat there. He didn't have to keep moving. Silent cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was a good fit for the time. Um, on the other hand, you have some, some people who, you know, if you said, who are the most significant presidents for good or, or, or ill, right? It's like, how would you rank hurricanes? And it's not like, because they're good things, but. Right. It's based on size and right. impact. And, you know, Andrew Jackson would be the classic example of somebody who you got to say he was very consequential, whether you think he was a good <laughs> president or whether you think he was a horrible president. Yeah. You know, there are people on both sides of that one. Yeah. So, Jared, let me let me let you uh, take a guess. Uh, Jack and Robbie's top three are exactly the same other than number one and number two are switched so see if you can name the top three presidents of these two smart guys lists uh washington lincoln and fdr goodness perfect and that fdr is what really surprises me i always thought he was a great president but then i'd say like the last few things that I've read about him or commentary that I've heard about him, people really gave him a hard time. Obviously, ultra conservatives. Um, but yeah, I want to get into that. And then, so Robbie had Lincoln at number one, uh, then Washington, then FDR, uh, then Teddy Roosevelt. And I'll, I'll read this. Uh, he said, then a muddle of fifth place guys, uh, just like Jack, and we'll hear his in a second. Uh, he was going to say Eisenhower, but that's probably uh, recency. Is, am I saying that right? Bias, and it should be Jefferson. Um, and then some other mentions, honorable mentions, would be Truman, Reagan, Monroe. Uh, with Jack, Washington, number one, Lincoln, number two, FDR, number three, Reagan, number four, instead of Teddy Roosevelt. 
And then there's a tie for number five, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Eisenhower, uh, Truman. So what really started me in, in thinking about this episode, Jack said something to me uh, that really intrigued me a few months ago, and it was your nephew that asked? My son. Your son. Okay, go ahead. And so I can't remember wh- how the topic came up, but he said, top five presidents that you would that you would pick to lead during any kind of circumstance, you yeah. know, war or peace, you know, depression, expand, whatever. And my answer was Washington, number one, hands down, nobody close. Yeah. Yeah. After that, it's kind of like there are lots of, you know, it, it gets difficult because everybody else has more obvious flaws as a leader, but. So, so what about Washington makes you say that? Exactly. That's historically. what I want to know. So, you know, you look at him. So what I would say is, I, to me, Washington was one of the great executives, like a great executive leader. Yeah. Um, great judgment. The ability to really be patient, to have smart people around him. I would, I would argue smarter people than he was. And he would have, you know, if a guy who could have Hamilton and Jefferson <laughs> both in his inner circle, listen to them both and make wise decisions. Yeah. Thing is, both of those guys incredibly brilliant. But if you were coming, like if you had a monumental decision to make and you and you didn't want it to be screwed up, my view is you'd pick Washington to make it over either of those two, smart as they were. Yeah, and he just had that ability to 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 walk through things wisely. And you know, I I I think because of you know, it's like one of the things about history that's hard is we can never. We know the end before we start to study the beginning. Yeah. And so we can never fully recapture what it was not to know the end. Right. And I, you know, to me, as I think about Washington, it's astonishing what he did. You know, first of all, you know, he led a revolt against the world's superpower. Yeah. My analogy would be if Mississippi and Alabama decided that they were seceding (laughs) and then they won. You'd think the guy who led that was, wow. Right. Who's that guy? Right. So he did that. And then he stepped down, which was just, I don't think we can, because we know we did it, and that's part of our heritage, I don't think we grasp how astonishing that was. Like an act of humility? Yeah, I, I agree with that. To step down? Is yeah. That what yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's now, so we have this whole, you know, we, so we had this dramatic shift of Obama to Trump, right? And like all during the inauguration, they're like, the announcer's like, look at the tr- this peaceful transfer of power. Like it was a big deal and nowadays that's normal we have that all over the world we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back today just for doing that but the idea of somebody who had who could have you know done whatever he wanted yeah just say i'm gonna i'm gonna stop after eight years to show that we shouldn't have one person in charge forever was a completely radical idea completely radical um and you know it took humility and guts to do that so So i think think that's a great legacy one of his great legacies however i i I had to make the call to not give him credit for the entire war during the presidency debate. So, um, you know, like that's, I can't give him credit for, for basically the entire revolution while no, having the great I... president's debate. Um, but he's probably the greatest American um, because you have to roll all the things together. Yeah. But I agree, I agree with everything. All the, I mean, the, the humble, like to me, like humble leadership, like to see in my, my Hillary pod, I was saying like, I want someone who will surround themselves with experts and make wise decisions. And he is like, a paragon of that, right? Yeah. Um, well, here, here in a second, I want, I want to know, um, you know, why Abraham Lincoln came out on top. Jared, do you have something you want to say real quick? I, I was just going to say too. Is what do you think it's fair to say that the Washington really didn't have to, or didn't have the distraction of, um, you know, the political games that we that they experience today, like our candidates today. Well, certainly it was a different world, and you know, right. you could argue would Washington have adapted well to party politics? I mean. It's, it's, you know, one of the things that circumstances are incommensurable. It's so hard to, I mean, if he, if he was living in our time, he would be a different person with different influences, you know? Sure. So okay. it's just, it's a, that's a hard question to answer. It's a legitimate one because you're right. He didn't really have to face that. Right. All right. So Robbie, Jack said, not even close. Washington, number one. Uh, why would you beg to differ? Well, if the, so again, it's all framed. Well, no, right? So, so first of all, let me just say, yeah. let, me, let me just say, clarify, 
that was a that was not best that was not that's greatest right. president. That's right. That was a different question. Right. Who would you want to be in the driver's seat? Uh, Regardless uh, of the circumstances. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep. And I would what yeah. I would just say that's, is Washington had an opportunity to develop to demonstrate a wide range. Yeah. And Lincoln never had that opportunity. Lincoln faced the greatest crisis, but um, you know Washington had a longer career as a national leader. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's. That's all. Yeah. I'm sorry. Robbie, go ahead. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. I just want to No, it's fine. So and that's where I'm going. You know, so it's all in framing. Like, how do you frame the greatest? So, like, so as a kind of metaphor, like, or analogy, whatever it is. Like, so I'm a sports guy, right? Like, I used to work in the NFL. Like, I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time on, like, just pure stats over the years. Right. But if I had to pick one guy to win one game, it probably wouldn't be him. It'd probably be Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Totally Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I mean, that's cool. But. Who would it be? You can make, you can make a case of Aaron Rodgers, but like it wouldn't be Tom Brady in my mind. So, so Who to me, be? like just out of curiosity for me. Yeah. I think I would say Steve Young, as far as folks that I've seen in my 30s. I'd probably say Joe Montana. I like Joe more than Montana. And I I'd say I'm really old school. So I'd say like Odo Graham, but that's cool. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the typical approach is Johnny Unitas. <laughs> Anyhow. So, so the point is like, you know, the question matters and, and the circumstances matter. So for me, like measuring the presidency, like, yeah, it's all about situational, yeah. like difficulty. And so and Lincoln faced this tremendous crisis, virtually impossible. Um, and everything he did, there's some obviously not everything was done right, but so many things were done right, and even then they barely eked out the Union surviving. And so, you know, would Washington have survived there? Like maybe, you know, like I don't know. Um, but like I think that to get through that that war, get through the abolition movement, um, passing the amendment to abolish slavery, all these things, and keeping the Union even if tenuously together is the greatest single thing someone's done uh, as president. And so uh, to me, it's like 1A, 1B. Like, it depends on how you frame the question, but they really are. Like, I was with my email. Like, there's kind of the top two, and then I think FDR stands alone as the bronze medalist, and then there's, like, this whole tier below them. So I, I don't feel like debating Montana or Montana Montana versus Brady, <laughs> excuse me, debating uh, Washington versus uh, Lincoln is necessarily worth, you know, getting your hair torn out over because they're both clearly yeah. great in their own way. Yeah. So, I mean, both of y'all, it sounds like Washington and Lincoln part, and, and this probably goes back to, uh, you know, Jack really wanting to clarify exactly what his list is, and that is Washington and Lincoln inherited great challenge, and so they were able to flourish. I mean, you know, if you put Washington as the 13th president of the United States, I don't I don't think there's anything big going on then. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe. But, uh, you know, definitely did not have the challenges. He would not have the uh, challenges. Well, I agree with that. Well, it's funny. I, was, I, was, uh, I read an essay on greatness a number of years ago in Harvard Business Review of all places. And it really sparked a lot of thought. And, you know, like I was coming like, so what are the components? And frankly, one of them is opportunity. Yeah. There are some people who might have everything, but they don't have the opportunity to be put in a position of enormous challenge. Right. And, like, to me, one of the exemplars of that, in one sense, is Harry Truman, who both of us rate, rated highly. Um, Harry Truman was a very ordinary guy. Um, not, a very, not a very talented guy, in my opinion. Um, but, boy, talk about a guy who rose to the challenge. Again, in an incredibly difficult time. And it, like, just pure seriousness, the, the seriousness with which he took his responsibility, the humility with which he was willing to bring in people who, again, were... You know, he viewed as being, you know, smarter than he was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just the way that he walked through it with courage. I you know, I, I have a lot of admiration for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an example of one where you have a fairly ordinary person with the character to rise to a supreme occasion. Yeah. How, how do you, yep. Robbie, how do you feel about, and, and I want to hear Jack too, and, and you too, Jared, uh, how do y'all feel about his decision to drop, the bombs to end the war. I mean, I've heard two compelling sides of that. Um, so I, I studied uh, nuclear proliferation pretty closely in college. And I think the question of the bomb versus the bombs is actually yeah. a very different question. Um, I think you can make a very compelling case for the first bomb as a, just a way to save net lives, very utilitarian, like end of the war more quickly, avoided a drawn out conflict. The second bomb, 
I don't think history shines well upon it because it seems unnecessary. Um, huh, that's interesting. And so it was destruction of both human lives. It was also a huge cultural center. Um, they were, you know, if you believe, and who knows, this could be revisionist history, but like, we, we now think for the most part they would have conceded either way after the first bomb as the show of power. So, but again, like, you know, do you judge someone for making that call then? Like, he didn't know that. He didn't know they were drawing up, you know, in terms of surrender. Um, but the first bomb, I think that um, there's a strong case for it. The the case against it, I guess, would be less about that conflict, where it seems pretty clear, and more about the, you know, breaking the seal on nukes for the rest of time. Like, now that they're kind of out in the world, like, yeah. what's the risk factor that goes beyond um, the war and into the future? Yeah, yeah I, you know, I... Um I think that's a very good assessment, Robbie. I, I would tend to maybe give more grace in the second bomb with the things that you acknowledged, which is that he didn't know. You know, that's one of the challenges of leadership is that you're always facing limited knowledge and yet the need to make decisions within a certain time frame. How far apart were they? Was it days, hours? Yes, days. days okay. I, and I don't yeah. remember exactly, but I want to say it was like 10 days apart, if I, oh, and wow. I could be wrong on that. How about you, Jared? Yeah, I guess I always thought that it was at least the first bomb was the way to go just because it would save a lot of American lives. Right. Um, and then as far as the second bomb goes, I, I, I'm not sure what history says about how close Japan was to surrendering, so I don't know. Yeah. It's right. three days. Three days, gotcha. So that's a pretty tight window for someone to respond, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. So that's right. You know, if, if, it, if it was a, a month or whatever, six months later, it's very different than like, you know, bang, bang, like, they're still probably just waking up from the shock of it all when now, the second one hit. Now, was that decision any sort of departure from what FDR possibly would have done, or? Boy, who knows? Yeah. Okay. All right, so yeah. FD- I do have a, I, yeah, I have a question about FDR. So both of you have FDR at three, so is that more because of his policies or the legacy he left with his policies? Either one of you. Um, I can go first, and then Jack can speak more eloquently than I will. <laughs> uh, I think FDR. There's a lot of there's a lot of points to it. One is just like it was a trying time, and he was the president for a long time, right? He was the longest served president by far, and got us through a war. So you have kind of like the the leader in tough times element, the Churchillian element. Um, the policies mattered, like. The expansion, like, you know, I'm generally progressive, so the expansion of the welfare state, Social Security, that kind of thing, is positive. You know, the New Deal infrastructure, like, giving folks jobs and helping the country in the process, that had a permanent, literal, like, physical impact. Um, so to me, it's, a, it's like on all those things combined. It's not one thing. One, It's not like he was an idealist. Like, look at the Reagan later. You know, part of Reagan's greatness, I, would, I presume Jack will say, is like, kind of setting the tone for the conservative movement. Um, FDR has that, but he's, he's not just a totem. He has this, he has a huge legacy and lots of things happened under that umbrella. Yeah. yeah and he was dealt a really shitty hand too. So, yeah. Well, yeah. See, it's Which also like, you know, it's, it's not just hard to act, like, um, if your hand is terrible, you know, you're generally going to look better on the other end, right? Cause right. eventually things get better or else the world ends. Um, so we shouldn't give him endless credit for like, I mean, you can save the economy by just like, you know, building lots of tanks and airplanes and going to war for and killing a million people. Like that's not a great way to boost the economy. Um, if you can avoid it. Uh, so yeah, he had a bad hand and that, you know, he both gets credit for that, but also it's kind of a stacked deck in his favor in a weird way on in this debate. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I, you know, my, I, I have very mixed feelings about FDR. You know, I was, putting together a whole bunch of lists just as I was trying to think about this topic. and We will definitely get to them, too. Boy. He's, on my, he's on my most overrated list, too, in, in the sense that, like, I rank him as highly as he did because I would argue that the Second World War was the largest event in human history, and he led the winning coalition. And, what, you know, like, you can't underrate that, and, and coalitions are tough. And... Um, you know, and especially and with the, the personalities in that coalition. Well, personalities right? like in Stalin, the, Churchill, yeah. the very different agendas, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, th I think the economic record is more of a mixed bag. You know, I, my opinion economically is that the Great Depression was as bad as it was in part because of his mistakes. Oh, wow. Um, now, at the same time, though, I got to look at it and say nobody knew what to do. And one of the things about him was he wasn't afraid to try things. And, you know, to your point, Robbie, he was the president for longer than anybody else by a wide margin. Uh, dealt a very difficult hand at a time when nobody knew what to do. Is it surprising that, that's, that he made some mistakes? No. Um, and, you, and, like, it's foolish to hold those against him. Now, I also think that he had some character flaws that played out. Of course, everybody has character flaws. But, I, you know, like, I, 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 as, as in terms of greatness as a human being, I have trouble ranking him with, like, with a Lincoln. Um, but you did it. Well, I, no, I ranked him below. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Robbie and I are both saying Washington and Lincoln probably head and shoulders above the, uh, the rest. And I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, FDR is just a really complex person. And um, <laughs> I, I, went to, I, went to the, I went to his home uh, last fall. Yeah. The, uh, you know, where, so the, his, the FDR library is there. Like, it just gave me a picture of the guy. So he lived in his mother. That was his mother's house. <laughs> he lived with his mom wow. all his life. Wow, his whole she life? Didn't, she didn't die until 1941 or 42, I think. Did his wife live with his mom too then? Yes. Wow. Yes. He built a <laughs> wing when he was married onto the family home. And, and there were like adjoining bedrooms, his mom's and his and his wife's with a sitting room in between. It was just kind of fascinating. <laughs> now, and she wasn't a monster, she, but she was a very, he was an only child. Yeah. Um, she was like 26. His dad was like 52 yeah. when he was born. So she kind of ruled the house and she ruled him. Yeah. And so the fact that he was a very devious person. Yes, you could understand that. He kind of had to be growing right. up. You know, I mean, it's just, it just kind of gave me a different picture of him, you know, yeah. and more of an understanding of what shaped him as a person. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a horrific digression, I'm sure. But I'm All right, so, so Robbie, Teddy Roosevelt at number four, and he definitely made Jack's tie for number five. It, I'm, I'm not, the his, not even close to the historian that you guys are. Is he an exception? Because uh, as far as he's not making this list because of a major challenge, or is there something that I'm overlooking? Robbie, you want to go ahead? Sure. I mean, like, again, this is where, to me, these guys all kind of have a whole tier to themselves. Yep. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I was sort of, like, trying to say, like, what what is this greatness, you know, quant like, what makes someone great, right? And it's kind of like these these presidents also some, all have some themes in common. One is like they make the the nation greater, or they help with like troubling times, a war, a crisis, whatever. Or the third thing, which is kind of like less important but still a really big deal, is like set some key precedents um, on policy or on a movement, um, or just like set a, an example, right? So like Washington stepping down, that's setting an example for the yeah. future generations of leadership. So. To me, uh, Teddy is probably more in that last bucket of like kind of like things that are policy and like a movement oriented example setting. So, you know, massively expanding the conservation effort with national parks, um, spearheading the progressive movement. He didn't get that far because he was constantly fighting Congress in doing so. But, um, you know, if you I was telling a friend, I was like I was saying, if you like Trump, you would have loved Teddy. Right. <laughs> um, because, you know, he he hated the corporatocracy, whatever, with every fiber of his being, and he fought it tooth and nail in a very authentic way. We'll see how authentic Trump will fight it. Um, but, you know, the, the progressive movement really e evolved out of him um, in, in certain ways. So he has, he has some policy wins, some movement wins, and some actual, like, kind of, like, things he did, be it the, the conservation movement. And also just, like, just some cool big time stuff to change the world. Like the Panama Canal, like change trade, right, for all of time. Um, and it helped the Western US and, and the US broadly to be a big manufacturing powerhouse um, and a trade powerhouse, but, which it couldn't have been otherwise. Um, I'm sure Asia is also very thankful. Um, yeah. So it changed the world. And so, you know, and he has, he has his demerits, but. Um, and one thing you guys mentioned earlier, talking about like what makes someone great, it could be the era. Like one thing that's also tricky is like, you know, you do one thing really wrong, you kind of fall off the list, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a yeah. lot. It, one fun list I think to go over with Jack spontaneously might be like, 
who are the presidents who would have been really good if not for that one thing they did that really, really sucked. Um, I think that he avoided any of those major pitfalls while yeah. also having a lot of like, he was hitting singles and doubles pretty consistently. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you're, I thought your comment about comparing him to Trump was hilarious. I haven't heard anybody do that, but you're right. Like in terms of like the need for attention. So I think it was Henry Cabot Lodge that said of Theodore Roosevelt, Theodore wants to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, but you're right. He was, he was just a powerhouse. And, you know, my thing is America became a great power under him. Wow. And we're talking 1902, 03-ish. Yeah, an evil right? expansion, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Well, and just the ability to assert power and to project power. And like the, like the concept of here's who we are in the world now, you know. But I also agree with you. I think, you know, you didn't use these terms, but he was kind of a boundary breaker. You know, so, so his, his activism was really a new thing for presidents. And um, as you said, he didn't get very far with it, but he, he made it possible for the people who came after him to go further. Was he the guy that said, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm super interested in this question, Robbie, as a, as a Hillary Clinton supporter. And I think you, you described yourself as more liberal. I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Did you say that earlier? More liberal than the guys in the show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> here, here, here in Silicon Valley, I get branded as being too conservative. When I go visit my family in upstate Michigan, they think I'm a communist. So I kind of, <laughs> I can please everyone a little bit, and I can also disappoint everyone a little bit. I but I'm, yeah, I'm certainly on the progressive side. Gotcha. Of the well, well, that Re- Reagan making your honorable mention list, man. That's that's actually a shock, just because I, more than anything, I hear. You know, Democrats and liberal just throwing stones at that guy. Um, I mean, he he's kind of the go-to for our generation of politics to go after because he's, you know, probably considered uh, the most recent, most successful uh, Republican president, like in the last 20, 30 years. So what's up with that? What's up with Reagan being on my honorable mentions? Yep. I mean, like, first of all, like, my men, that gets down to, like, 10, 11, 12 guys, something like that, like, I don't think that he can fall out of the top 20. Like, and, and if <laughs> one thing that I don't like is, like, if you're a conservative, not every conservative is awesome and not every liberal is an idiot, right? right. And vice versa. And, mm-hmm. like, so you're going to have Dan Koch on later on, uh, the Depolarized podcast. He's a good friend of mine. And, you know, I do the same thing. Like, I, if you can't see the benefit of someone who might not have the same, like, policy leanings as you, you're missing the point. Like on the Hillary pot, I said, right, there's three big things for the president. One is like to make a, t- a leader in times of crisis. One is to make policy. And one is to like be the commander in chief. And like the policy thing is where most of the liberal versus conservative stuff comes in. That's only a third of the job, in my opinion. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big trickle down economics guy or whatever, but like that, I shouldn't let that, that taint the whole legacy for me. Yeah. Um, Plus, I knew that if I said it was like bottom five, five worst, then like it'd just be me and Jack yelling for like an hour. <laughs> that would get nowhere. So okay, so what about Reagan? Do you find endearing or redeemable? Why doesn't Jack tell us why he's so great, and then I'll just tell you which parts I agree with? <laughs> All right. Works for me. Well, you know, I so you know, of course, one of the one of the things that's a little different with me than the three of you guys is that I'm a, I'm a lot older. Right. So I'm sixty. I was. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, well, and I was, the, you know, that. So he was the, you know, he was the first president that entered office at a point where I was actually out of college, had begun my career, and was, you know, and um, those were, those were depressing times, and and you know what, a lot of people arguing, you know, we've just gotten to the point where really nobody could be president and and make it work, you know, it's just impossible, and I think I think not only did the U.S. a lot of people in the world perceive the u.s being in decline but i think americans generally felt we were in decline and this is this is because this is, of carter ford and nixon I well mean, I, I don't want to blame any one person for it but there was a lot of you know just bad economic policy yeah you know there was uh you know carter was a very hesitant leader in the international stage and before him ford you know the way he came into office he had no you know, he had no stroke. He had no ability really to do anything. So, so from the point that, that, that Nixon, Nixon, you know, kind of came under attack in 72, 
he had two years where he was immobilized for from like 72 to 80. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the U.S. In, in terms of international leadership was just very weak and uncertain. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, Reagan created, you know, what it seemed like a new economic paradigm and started the economy on a, you know, an upswing that's, that lasted for a couple of decades, really. And then he won the Cold War. And I will just tell you, you know, growing up during that period, if you had polled people and said, do you ever think that this is going to end? I'd, very few people would have said it's even possible. Now, I'm not trying to say that was a miracle. Obviously, one of the things we now know on the other side, kind of like to your point about revisionist history, is how weak the Soviet Union really was in some important respects. But, right. but you know, the other thing was the resolute leadership. Um, like the evil empire speech. Yeah. You know, like people are like, you're out of your... But, you know, he called a spade a spade, you know, and he, and the thing is what, what, what we didn't see, but was going on was that he was strengthening the hands of like the, of the resistance movements throughout Eastern Europe because they thought like this guy gets it. I mean, it was an evil empire and he was willing to say so. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my deal. And I, re you know, what I would also say is, you know, having lived through that, I probably overrate the importance of it. You know, it, it causes me to, you know, Look at that and probably, uh, you know, I, Reagan was not a brilliant guy, I yeah. don't think. Gosh, that's interesting. I, I always I, thought he was just super smart. But he was a great communicator, though. Super charismatic, yeah. More than, more than smarty smart. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he also, he knew what he thought. He knew his own mind, you know? And so he was able to communicate with, uh, with real power because of that. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, right, so, I, Robbie, what do you... What do you say to that then? Because now, now so that Jeff, okay. yeah, so that's all fair. So what, what I kind of push back on is like, I don't love the Reagan worship you hear these days, and largely <laughs> because it's often that. it's often separated from the guy himself, right? Like, I mean, here's the guy who, if he was around today, he would want some kind of comprehensive immigration reform bill that included quote unquote amnesty plus border security. Like, he actually raised taxes like seven different times, and everyone's like, like. Like the Reagan, the Reagan brand has become used. Like, like you slap it on any kind of idea and go, "This is Reagan approved." Therefore, it's conservative orthodoxy. And like, you know, he was. I think he was a good leader for his time. He has some stains, like the AIDS movement or the AIDS epidemic and the blind eye. I think was a big issue. Iran Contra is not great. I actually like George H. W. Bush a whole lot and think that he's an underrated president. But also, the economic recession that came late in his term is probably somewhat. Do also to like the the momentum that I've been building during Reagan's later period, so it's not just Bush's fault. Like he came mm -hmm. into office on one day and then the economy became the Bush economy, not not, not the Reagan economy. Mm -hmm. So I think that he's he was fine, and he was and the movement is very real. And I think it matters that he inspired people to believe in the presidency, which was I totally agree. Like the presidency was just kind of shot at that point in time, um, after all it had gone through, um, and so that matters. And I and for that reason, like I said on my last pod appearance, like. And now that this made Jack just roll over. I really think that a lot of my generation, especially on the liberal side, will look at Obama in the same way. Because even if it's just like they like him and they believe in him and he's a good orator, like they got he got them engaged, and that matters. Mm -hmm. um, Reagan will probably have a last a longer lasting policy influence. We'll see how the whole Obamacare thing sorts out. Um, but you know those things matter too. So yeah, like he's certainly up there for me. I just don't think that he belongs in this kind of like you know winged angel figure that we've made. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And and you're right. You know, if, if more of today's conservatives knew some of the things that Reagan actually supported, they'd be appalled. Um, I actually, you know, Robbie, I remember our, your discussion of Reagan when we had our podcast on the, before the election. And I think your view of him is very fair. So are we living in a majorly different world? If the assassination attempt on Reagan succeeds, was that 81? Do it? Does anybody know? It was 81, yeah. 81? That's no. a great question. Yeah, who the heck knows? Yeah. I thought you knew, I mean, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Bush, but the question is like, I mean, for me, it's almost more, it's less of like, could Bush have done that? I mean, I think that the, because we now know how weak the Soviets were, right? Like, that union still falls under a George H.W. Bush presidency. But like, how does an assassination change just the world in general? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. they, they, they started world wars. So... I think it's almost like you can't measure the ripples of that pebble in the pond because like 
that would just have all kinds of effects on fear and on over-response and that kind of thing. One of the things that's interesting that, I, that Reagan was great at, he was great at projecting confidence. And th- that was also one of the things that FDR was great at. You know, like the fireside chats. That I mean, he was great at connecting with people and having them believe that here's a guy who understands what the issues are and and who I can trust to move forward with. You know, and um, H. George H. W. Bush, he just didn't have that. Very few people do. I think you know the thing with Bush is he had so much knowledge and experience. He was really one of the great foreign policy presidents in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't think he economics wasn't as of uh, as much interest to him, and I don't think he was as confident in his grasp of it. Right, that's fair. All right, Let, before we move on, I have a, a a question that it it just blows my mind, and definitely did not tell y'all this question was coming. But curious, why why do you guys think? that so few presidents are assassinated. And I know that sounds crazy, but it just seems like we have a lot of crazies out there that all it takes is just one person getting in one place. I mean, can can we just chalk it up to we have unbelievable national security that protects the president? I mean, I, I know this sounds nuts, but I'm surprised Donald Trump is still alive. Like, right now. I mean, there's so many people that hate him and so many people that would love to go down in history, even if they had to rot in jail for the rest of their lives for killing the president. I mean, there's got to be people that would love would love to do that. I mean, is that a crazy question as far as so few presidents? What, just three? McKinley, Garfield, JFK? Am I right? Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah. My boy, my boy Lincoln. Um, I don't think that's a crazy question. I mean, like, it hap- we had attempts a lot more in the past, right? Yeah. Um, I do think that nowadays it really is a matter of we have this just – substantially increased secret uh, service, you know, group. And we have like nowadays you couldn't plan that kind of thing without being picked up in some way, unless you were a total lone wolf, like a Lee Harvey Oswald type. And even and now, like that kind of event, like the protections are so much greater. Like you hear about the level of preparation for any kind of speech or parade, like when I mean, they're canvassing off miles and miles and miles. Um, I'm, I'm a little amazed personally that, uh, well, I mean, Trump's been in office for 14 days. Like, I mean, the Obamas being being the first ever African-American yeah. first family had, I think it was like three times the number of, like, uh, recorded threats uh, on their family as anybody else has. And, like, we never heard of any of them. Yeah. Um, and so that, to me, speaks to, for better or for worse, the surveillance state um, yeah. and, you know, increased protections there because if, if anyone I felt like they are probably in more danger than Trump because like the, the folks who hate Trump are like you're kind of like you know you're a liberal snowflake progressive type like I mean the increase in activity way to stereotype like, man and to, these are my friends man these are, these are, my, these are my homies um, the the you know we saw if you read like the Southern Poverty Law Center or whatever it's called like the number of an, the quote unquote anti-government uh, militant groups like the sort of like general like not necessarily white power, but like the kind of like anti-establishment, they surged the last eight years. And so I, frankly, I thought we were going to have an attack on his life. It's a minor miracle in my opinion that he didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing, I mean, must, but the budget for this kind of stuff nowadays must be billions, oh, billions, yeah. billions of dollars. Oh, yeah. um, but you're I right. I, I would agree with you. It's kind of like the, why don't we have more terrorist attacks? Yeah. Same reason. Yeah. It's the surveillance. Oh state. yeah. We, we were in New York city when, um, Obama drove through and it was just unreal. I mean, there were certain areas, a lot of places we could not even get close to. So yeah. it was a, uh, all right, well let's, let's touch on some of Jack's mini lists and, uh, all, you know, I, I would love to, uh, hit every single president that makes these lists, but we'll just touch on some of them, but I'll, I'll give, uh, I guess everybody has this list. I was going to play a little guessing game, but overrated president. I want to hear, this JFK overrated. President. Well, just he's rated as one of the great presidents, and he just wasn't. I right. mean, and and you know, I wouldn't argue that he didn't have the potential to be. Perhaps I don't. I'm not negative or hostile on, to him as a as a leader. But he was president for two and a half years. Didn't have a didn't accomplish a lot really. Right. And you, um, so you know, to to have him rated as one of the great presidents, it just 
Do you no. think do you think people get confused? Uh, they confuse success with charisma and influence and belovedness. I mean, maybe. I mean, although you know, it's hard. To, the, the Kennedys just have this glamour that you know kind of overshadows everything, and not sure what all goes into that. But yeah, but you know, he's kind yeah. of he's kind of unique in that regard in yeah. terms of this guy who's highly regarded totally apart from anything he actually accomplished. And I'm not saying he accomplished nothing. I'm right. just It's the mystique of Camelot. Yeah. yeah. If only I could think of a recent example where people conflated charisma with success and intelligence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't think of any. <laughs> how, how do you feel? Actually, how do you assess JFK, Robbie? He's my number one overrated also. Yeah. But with, uh, with, uh, what was I say with the bullet, but like by far, um, so, and actually I read some like poll of like the American political scientists association, whatever. And they, they also called him the most overrated. I mean, yeah, short term, um, you know, inspirational, like the space race speeches was awesome. Put a man on the moon, that kind of thing. Obviously it's not his fault that he was assassinated. Um, I mean, damn near ended the world that the Cuban missile crisis. Yeah. Um, right. So like, and, and at the same time, like, he did call out the dogs there. So, like, so, so you kind of do you give credit, or do you say we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place? Um, kind of both. So I just I don't I don't get the hero worship, and I just think that yeah, it's the glamour of like the family and like that we wanted someone to hold on to at that time, like to to view as like our our leaders who had it all under control. They were beautiful. They were wonderful. They were smart. They're charismatic, and also like you know just like. I think that musicians who die young become glorified. Like I think that we kind of canonize presidents who don't get to live into making their mistakes, right? Um, so you can call him the Kurt Cobain of presidents. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Kurt Cobain was not overrated. Oh, he's no got way. you on that one, right? No way, he's got you we'll, on that one. <laughs> Elliot, your Elliot Smith, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care who it is. Right? Um, why's if it, why's it gotta be suicide, fellas? 20, well, if if be... Kurt Cobain had the Metallica run of the '90s or the U2 run of the early 2000s, you would not feel that way, right? <laughs> um, he just we'll didn't never, have the chance we'll to make that mistake. Dude, you exactly. had you you had me confused at Steve Young. All right, we got to move on. Uh, un- <laughs> underrated presidents. This is this is interesting. Here's, I, I mean, I've got something I, I obviously have to admit. Yeah, this probably doesn't surprise y'all, but there there's a good. I'd say 15 presidents I know absolutely nothing about. And I would say the only thing I know about McKinley and uh, McKinley and oh Garfield's on another list. Only thing I know about McKinley is that he's assassinated. I know nothing about Grover Cleveland, except I think he's on the thousand dollar bill. Polk. No. He served two non-consecutive terms in office. Too. That's right. Oh, really? So he got voted in twice. Yeah. Nice. And, and the time and in between. He, he counts as two presidents. Yes. So, so, the, so if we're on the forty-five, that's two. That's two rovers in there. All right. So, what are we on right now? Forty-fifth. Yeah, forty-fourth human being, but forty-fifth president because Grover comes. I did not away. know that. I just yes. learned something. Wow. Nice. How, how many years apart were his terms? Just four. He uh, he lost to Benjamin Harrison in between, wow. and not by much. Yeah. So there. So there's nothing in. Uh, our our laws that say president uh, obviously I mean Obama could run again yes why why doesn't that happen more often they're just tired probably tired yeah <laughs> and and old too I mean you know Obama's fairly unusual in terms of having come to office at a rel- relatively young age but you know most other guys if you come in in your fifties and you stay until your sixties and then you got to at least keep out for a term. You know, you're pushing 70 at that point, and do you really want to do that again? I am so surprised Bill Clinton hasn't tried it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so underrated president. Let's let's touch on Eisenhower. Uh, how do you feel about that, Robbie? That made the most underrated presidents on Jack's list. Yeah, I mean, like, so I said in my email that he was, pro- like, my initial gut feeling was he's number five, but that could be recency bias. Yeah. And it should be Jefferson. I actually went back last night and I was like, no, I think he really is my number number five over Jefferson. Like, Ike was awesome. And actually, I have a fun question for Jack, which is for this particular era in time where we have a growing but sluggish economy, we have this kind of re-emerging, like, divisiveness at home domestically on policy and on kind of racial stuff. We have a maybe looming conflict with, like, Russia and China and the world. What president would you draft from the past to be president now? 
Uh, oh, wow. I think Ike would work really well right now, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, like steady hand at the wheel, absolutely killer, like foreign affairs and military understanding. Um, doesn't overreact domestically. Just like he was just did a good job, like through and through and through. And he gets forgotten in that second half of the 21st century in the kind of between you know, FDR and Reagan window. They kind of forget everyone in that window. Yeah. But I would say that he really stands out there. And, you know, I was reading about him last night. He he was like Gallup's most admired man in America, like 12 different years in their polling. Like he was a beloved figure um, and not just for his wartime experience. But like, I think that Ike was, he was great. Well, and again, you know, so if you were to say uh, who were the American leaders who spent the most time like at the very pinnacle of responsibility, it would be Washington and Eisenhower. And uh, I agree with you. I, I think the one weakness he had, he wasn't a great communicator. He was a guy who had a lot of personal charisma. Um, he was, you know, one of the things he was just known for in terms of people who met him never forgot that. Um, and, uh, but he, in fact, in fact, he was kind of mocked a lot for his speaking style. He was, you know, but I, you know, honestly, I think one of the things that was interesting about him, he wasn't highly rated as a president, but then when people understood really what was going on behind the scenes all the time, it was like, wow, you know, he kind of presented this image of, you know, this grandfatherly guy who wasn't really, you know, he'd kind of taken it easy going. And like you said, he was, he had as much geopolitical grasp as anybody who's ever had that office. He was a... He was a very skillful hand at the wheel. I, I think that's a good way to characterize him. Yeah, you go through it. And it's like, so we had to navigate Taiwan and China, figuring out their issues. Sputnik got launched. We founded NASA. Um, well, like, here's an know, interesting and, one, too. And McCarthyism at home, right? McCarthyism at home. The Suez crisis. Your right. closest ally does something incredibly stupid. And what do you do without ruining your relationship with them and yet without supporting them? I mean, he, he handled that masterfully. Eisenhower, yeah, folks. And, and yeah. also, like, I think it's pretty, and part of my scoring is, like, did someone just do, like, the right thing, even mm-hmm. when it wasn't necessarily in their best interest? And it still, to this day, blows my mind that our greatest general of recent history, who oversaw the largest, in terms of scale, fighting force, his last words are, don't fall into this trap of the military-industrial complex, yeah. which we totally did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we totally ignored him and did it anyways, uh, but like he had the presence and the, and the guts to say like against all those, and I'm sure he knew the CEOs of all of these contractors who are building tanks and planes and war machines. And he comes out and says, don't, don't fall into this trap guys. So like, this is a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, like that ability, I, I, I think you're putting your finger on something really important, Robbie, which is kind of the ability to think outside your own box. You're right. There was every reason in the world for him to be so comfortable in that world that it was just natural to him. But he was able to stand outside himself enough to point out the danger. Like my analogy there would be Washington essentially siding with Hamilton on economic policies as opposed to Jefferson, where he lived in Jefferson's world. You know, they they had a very similar background. And here's this guy from New York with these really different ideas. And Washington's sense was, this is really the direction the country needs to go. Now, again, I realize there are, you could question whether that has been wholly beneficial. I'm not trying to make that argument, but, but his ability to stand outside himself and make a judgment like that, I think you know, both of those guys were extremely unusual in that regard. All right, the yeah. rest. New, newly minted liberal hero Hamilton, thanks to his <laughs> musical. Um, and also, Eisenhower, uh, he made the interstates, right? And interstate highways are a big deal in America. So, like, all these little things add up. That's right. Well, the, the rest of the underrated presidents, you'll have to do your own research if you want to know why. Calvin Coolidge, Polk, McKinley, and Cleveland. Next, we have presidents who were undone by arrogance. And Robbie commented that there's not going to be a whole lot of fireworks on this episode, uh, mainly because of the common ground that Jack and Robbie have on their list. But I have a feeling maybe there'll be some fireworks on this one. It's, we got Jefferson, Woodrow Wilson, Obama and hoover so robbie I, I tell you what jack why was he undone by arrogance obama let's tell you what let's not talk about obama <laughs> yeah but just because we've talked about him and you know what i would also say is that is that 
I am too close to him to be objective about him. Um, I think that's one of the things, that, like, why is good history not written until decades after the fact? Because it's too hard not to be influenced by what you've experienced. And, you know, as I acknowledged earlier, I, I would argue that I probably think more highly of Reagan than I should because I experienced what changed during the country during that part of my life. Um, and I, you know, I would say that I'm more negative to Obama than he deserves. So, but let's talk about Jefferson. Because he was, on, he was one of your top lists, and That's my right. argument was that after JFK, he's my most overrated. All and right. my, my thought there, I, I think Jefferson was a remarkable guy and a brilliant guy who was absolutely unsuited to be the executive of anything. He was a, ver he was a failure as the governor of Virginia during the revolution. And as president, I think you could, it was a mixed bag. He did not screw up the Louisiana Purchase, which was a supremely big deal. And, um, and one that I would even argue that caused him to have to stand outside. If John Adams had tried to do what Jefferson did, the, like the specific actions that he took, he would have been screaming that they were unconstitutional. But he did them because he knew that this thing had to be done and he didn't screw it up. But his problem was, in so many areas, Jefferson is a brilliant guy who was in love with his own ideas and kind of wouldn't acknowledge when reality proved him wrong. Um, you know, his, the great disaster of his presidency was triggered by the embargo of 1807. Uh, it was during the Napoleonic Wars, and there was this huge issue with impressment. Uh, you know, British, the British Navy pulling over American ships, claiming that, hey, Joey Svensson, you were on a Royal Navy, you're coming with us. And Jefferson kind of didn't want to do anything about it. Yeah. And he kept, like, the problem kept getting worse, and he kept saying, you know, quit bullying us. And then his response ultimately was the embargo against the advice of the people that he really should have listened to, like Albert Gallatin, who was one of the great Treasury secretaries. And, and like my analogy is this. I say, Joey, stop bullying me. And you say, no. I say, Joey, if you don't stop bullying me, I'm going to start jabbing myself with a sharp stick. <laughs> that was kind of what he did. And it led to an economic catastrophe. It, war with Britain happened anyway a few years later. I mean, it solved nothing and it wrecked a lot. And... Um, you know, but that was his great weakness. He, and he, to the end of his life, he refused to realize, refused to acknowledge he was wrong. I, you know, I, my another analogy there is, you know, he had a very harmful effect. Like it was, it was Jefferson's political theology that that was the justification for the South's secession in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And you know, he would never really admit that that didn't work, though he knew it. I think by the end. Anyway. Yeah. And I, I, I'm coming around on that point of view. Like I was reading more last night and I was like, you know, I think I just tossed Jefferson in there because of his general stature as like from the declaration, the revolution through everything, you yep. know, being in first secretary of state. Um, and I give a lot of credence cause like, you know, the, the Louisiana purchase is a big, big deal. As you mentioned, yep. like, I mean, you think about it, if America was just like the first 13 colonies of the Eastern seaboard, We'd be this little dinky regional power. I mean, we'd be sticking like a little eastern nation sticking off this big landmass like Portugal sticking off of Europe. Yes. Um, and so somehow we got all the way across and did many crimes to do so against native peoples, which we should, you know, our boy Andrew Jackson can talk about that. Um, but, you know, the purchase began that Western movement and it's an enormous sum of land. You look at it, you're like, holy cow. Like, like I was thinking the other day, like, can you imagine in the current era? If some country was like, hey, who wants to buy like a scabillion acres of land? Like it would be crazy, right? And yet we somehow just like tripled the size of the country overnight. Yeah. 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 I, Jefferson, I mean, I, I think it's really cool. Always on the $2 bill. That's awesome for me. <laughs> um, so president. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last list that Jack came up with was presidents who were in over their heads. And uh, got, got some of these guys on here that I know nothing about. I've heard of them, but I, I know nothing about Buchanan or Pierce. And uh, let's talk. And, and then we have George W., John Adams, and uh, Ulysses Grant. Let's talk about George Bush. And, and first of all, Jack, when you say in over their heads, is that a would you would you say that's an insulting remark or would you say hey they they just they weren't they weren't up for the challenge or yeah I would say weren't up for the challenge I mean some of the, like 
Buchanan and Pierce were the two presidents before Lincoln. Okay. And they were just feckless leaders that did nothing to arrest the drift towards secession. Gotcha. And, um, and Buchanan in particular, just... George W. Bush, like, I think a good man. Like, I don't, you know, the Bush lied. I don't think he lied. I think he was just wrong, you know, with the, with the weapons of mass destruction. I think, you know, I originally thought he kind of understood how the economy worked, but, uh, you know, he, he made a lot, and he did some good things, but he did a lot of boneheaded things, too. Yeah. It's like, I don't really think he got that either. I think he was a good man who tried his best and was just overmatched by an incredibly difficult job. Um, John Adams tried to follow George Washington. That's a tough act to follow. Right. And and party politics really started to emerge during his time, and he did not have the capacity really temperamentally to manage that. Um, U.S. Grant, he's just one of the puzzles of American history to me. I think, like, I think if we were trying to rate, rate greatest generals, I think you could make a good argument for him as the greatest general in American history. Wow. Um, but boy, really struggled in civilian life, and really his presidency was just kind of a mess. Yeah. I mean, you got any pushback on any of that, Robbie? Kind of, yeah. So, so with Grant, the rest is all fine. Um, you know, I think it's become it's interesting. Like the it's it's very in vogue, and it has been for a while now, like the last hundred years, to say that Grant was a crabby president. Um, and and I I recently read some articles saying that like that probably is not quite the case. I mean, he's not going to ascend to that top tier, top two tiers. But I, I do want to just I don't think he was a bad president. I think he was probably in over his head. His his cabinet was racked with scandal. Yeah. Um. But I mean, president during I mean, the the next hardest time to wartime right is right after the wartime, like your kind of Marshall Plan era of of the war, and you know he had this. And, and, you know, immediately post-Lincoln, we did a terrible job and we, like, the South was mishandled. And so Grant is trying to preside over this still fractured nation, but it's, it's one nation. And, you know, there's some things I think that he deserves credit for. So, for example, I had not realized until I was researching this that, you know, for a 55-year window, he was the only president to get elected twice. Um, and so he was doing something right. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, there was a scandal. There's no like well, one well, thing. Like, yeah, wait, wait, you gotta be people. careful. He was the only. I mean, Lincoln was elected twice, but he didn't serve as two full terms. So he was the only president. That yeah, served sure, two sure. Terms. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's like transcontinental railroad, that kind of thing. He was he pushed civil rights stuff a little bit, but of course that was all just like carrying for the momentum of the post-war effort. So I just I don't think that he was a a bad, bad president. I think I agree with mess, that. I'll be fine. I just want to give a little shout to our boy Grant because he gets a bad rap. I agree um, with that. I, I, I some would... of the historians that I read say that this is part of like, you know, the, the lost cause movement of the South, like how Robert E. Lee was really so great and noble, but Grant was the bad guy. Like that became really in vogue for a long time. I and mean, just now as kind of this like racial, you know, stuff pops back up with be it Ferguson or Black Lives Matter or the Muslim man, whatever. And we kind of look back at history it is important to recognize like the silver war was about slavery and grant had a hell of a job to keep this thing from blowing up a second time. Um, and just getting through that, I think deserves some credit. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not, I wouldn't argue that he was a terrible president. I just think he was in over his head. He just was never able to really, you know, get his job under control. Like you said, he was, he was constantly having to deal with things like his cabinet issues that, um, it's just kind of funny. It's just puzzling with me, you know, cause he was so effective as a military leader and, it just the presidency just wasn't a fit in the same way. But I agree with you. He wasn't yeah. a catastrophe. Yeah. Little trivia for for uh, you guys is that a million people went to his funeral in Dang. New York when he died. Well, wow. again, Grant's tomb. I mean, it's the yeah. most monumental tomb in the United States. Why is that? And most folks don't even know it's there. Yeah. Right. Right. That's unreal. Wow. Well, awesome, awesome discussion. Um, thank you, guys. Very interesting. Uh, for me personally, Jared, you got anything you want to add or ask these guys? Do you, you, you get interested in this sort of stuff, right? I mean, I know it's not yeah, your actually, wheelhouse. You're you're more the science guy, but you like American history. Oh, I totally enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of reminded me of my uh, my my tenth grade his, U.S. history class. All these, I mean, because I I, I I remember now through this conversation learning these little things here and there, but I just had forgotten all of it. So yeah, it's cool. 
Yeah, next next episode will be uh, same sort of thing except um, the uh, most attractive first ladies and uh, all right, Martha Washington. I think uh, will will make the. Oh, it's Eleanor Roosevelt, dude. <laughs>